Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Having a high sports IQ is important. Just look at the NBA lottery right now. You might have a top 10 pick, but if your GM doesn't know what he's doing or she's doing, you're screwed. Look at the Kings. They might trade that number two pick for God knows what. But when it comes to hiring, you don't need a high hiring IQ. Just ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check out the ringer.com. NBA draft is getting close. It's approaching. We did a podcast about it on Wednesday with Kevin O'Connor about the draft buzz. But stuff's changed since then. Kawhi Leonard might might be available for the right draft pick right now. Who knows? News breaking. The NBA draft guide that we did has all of this stuff covered and more. Check it out. TheRinger.com. The Ringer's draft guide. And we also, Incredibles too. We have stuff on that. World Cup. U.S. Open all weekend. It's the place to be. TheRinger.com. Coming up, Kyrie Irving. And then we're going to talk to Sean Fennessy about uh, Hereditary after that. So... First Pearl Jam. All right, it's Friday afternoon, West Coast time. Just when you think the NBA gets quiet, stuff's always happening. Two hours before Kyrie Irving comes in, Kawhi Leonard comes out. He wants to get traded. It just never ends. This is just the NBA now. It's 12, 12 months a year, 365 days, stuff happening. Yep. This you is were part the, of this. Yeah. NBA offseason. Last summer, you were in the middle of it for like six, seven weeks. When that when it's happening and you're in it, are you reading the tweets? Are you reading the stories? What are you doing? Uh, you try not to, but it's it's coming in waves. Waves. You can't help it? Waves. Just the fans, the media. Um, just in waves it's coming because you now you become the center of attention and also the value you kind of notice like how great you are as a player for like a good six seven weeks like teams are like oh it's the fake around. trades yeah it's just the possibility of the mock trades and you know it just it boosts the ego a little bit so you know it's, it's it's heck of a situation to be in but you know hope for the best does it boost the ego or sometimes it's like oh man I'm not I'm worth more than that come on uh it could do both. It can, yeah. yeah, you know, it, it's a tough position to be in because at the end of the day, um, the speculation from everyone else of why you want to ask for a trade is going to come out. Stories of uh, what you what you were doing behind the scenes and leaking and just like it, it just becomes a mess. And at the end of the day, you just want to be happy playing basketball. What really happened? What's really going on? Mm -hmm. The Kawhi thing is piercing questions. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, your thing was abrupt. Kawhi's thing was an all year thing. Yeah. Where. Mm -hmm. He didn't come back. Then something was clearly wrong. Then he was practicing away from the team. And then mm -hmm. he didn't go to the playoff games and things like that. Yeah. So I kind of felt like this was building. The thing with you in Cleveland last year, I think people were like, what? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. going? Yeah. yeah. And then I never actually thought the trade would happen. And then it happened to my favorite team. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, my favorite team was one of the teams involved. I'm like, Nah, this this won't happen. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and then me, all of a sudden it happened. Call me a logo off guard too. But I mean, I was happy that they that they pulled the trigger and they took a chance. When you knew you wanted to get traded, did you have a list in your head of teams or situations? What were you thinking? Uh, yeah, I did, but um, 
ideally it was going to be up to the team regardless. So, um, you know, I, I would like to think I had um, somewhat of, of a leverage point. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was going to be a business move for the Cavs, and um, you know, in order to for us to part ways, kind of respectfully. What was the most important thing for you? Look at looking back a year ago. What was the um, first thing you wanted? Uh, just kind of being in a place where I could see myself for a few years, and um, kind of positioning myself with some other great players. Um, you know, that that's when the the texting and the calling starts happening. Hey, man, like. Yeah, trying to do this, and um, you know the, the shift in the league or of our generation is like, we, you know, it's for me personally. I'm gonna speak on kind of my my viewpoint of is it. like we all want to play together at one point. Um, you know, whether that's now or later in our career, you know, we 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 kind of want to have fun playing with it. You know, we all kind of spend time in in L. A. or New York, and we all see each other. So it's cool when you can can have like other great players on the team and other great. Uh, player uh, teammates and then you go for a championship you know we just want to be happy I want to be happy if anything so what what do you consider your generation because it's usually it starts you guys meet each other when you're like 12 13 14 yeah. at these AU things so who's like in your class uh in, in terms of what like I just like who are the guys you grew up with that you've been playing against since you were 14 uh like Kevin Love's two years older than you. like Westbrook yeah. Love. Those guys are a little bit older. K than I think Caleb's three years older than yeah. you, maybe. But I would say that um, like Davis is he a guy from? Yeah, no, I, I've known, I've known AD for a little bit. But um, I would say you know, kind of being um, you know, being in that uh, environment of high level basketball uh, at an early age. Um, meaning, you know, once I left Duke, you know, I was at the USA camp and yeah. playing against. Cole, Russ, you know, seeing AD play on the USA team and then playing with him in 2014. Yeah. Um, you know, playing with James. And after a while, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to, to play on, you know, all-star games and stuff like that. So you start building relationships over time. So I didn't really know many people until I got into the league of, you know, this is high-level basketball, so why not build, build some relationships? It's good to be you in those games because you have the ball. <laughs> yeah, the point guard's always the most important person yeah, in yeah. those games. Yeah, for sure. Ultimately, you're deciding who gets to shoot. Yeah, yeah, but those guys are, you know, I've like I said, I've been very fortunate to play with some great players. So, you know, you kind of just you can sit and and stare at times too. They're they're just really great, you know. I did a podcast with KD. I've done a bunch of them, but we did one last year after I think it was right after you got traded or right when you maybe before you got traded. And he was talking about Kyrie loves to ball. He doesn't want to do any of this. He doesn't want to deal with any of this other stuff. He just wants to know Here's my team. I don't have to deal with anything else. I just want to play basketball and work on my game and try yeah. to win basketball games. Is yeah. that an accurate assessment? Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's like one of my close friends as well. So, um, you know, he definitely hit the kind of the hammer right on the head with that one. Um, you know, I was appreciative that he even, even came out and said it because, uh, you know, the appreciation I have for the game goes deeper than kind of what the lifestyle breeds sometimes. Yeah. You know, so it, it can get... It can get confusing at times. It can get cloudy just based upon, you know, kind of the responsibility you have as a professional athlete in the NBA and what you represent and your brand and stuff like that. And then, you know, your love for the game kind of gets squandered and all that sometimes. And, you know, you can see it. Some guys have lost passion for the game at times and they've had to, you know, deal with years of just kind of separating themselves or their down years. You know, that's yeah. not necessarily they haven't been working on their game. It's just the passion sometimes can get lost and start making decisions and it could get it can get really, really, really hard. You yeah. Know? And mentally it's 
it's a test. So, so did yeah. you feel like your skills had become underrated just because you're playing with LeBron, who's one of the three greatest players of all time? That some people kind of took it for granted a little bit. Some of the stuff you were great at. Uh, not necessarily. I think that um, you know the the authentic fans of basketball understood you know, what I brought to the game. I think that, you know, playing with other great players of, of you know, and Katie said it the other day of how to stand out within that, you know, and just make sure that your confidence and you're working on your game and you're, and you're showcasing it. Um, yeah. You know, and inevitably you're playing with a great player like Braun. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel like that right there is a testament of greatness of how you adapt to those situations, you know, instead of kind of, you know, willing away from the challenge of figuring it out and adapting and, you know, like why run away from it? So I, I went full force and just like took it, it took it by the head. And, um, you know, there at times it was really, really tough, really, yeah. really tough. But I mean, what was tough about it? Just not having the ball all the time or just the spotlight that he brings? No, I would say like you, you're, you're being tested on, on the biggest stage in front of everyone, like all the time, yeah, all, all the time. I mean, like there was not a time where it was like, the eyes wasn't on our team, wasn't yeah. on Braun, wasn't on me, wasn't on K-Love, like our team, it just, our organization, it was just like, I went from being in Cleveland to, you know, having kind of, you know, half the fans show up to now, Braun comes back now, every night is packed. Yeah. Every road game is like a, you know, somewhat of a home game for us. Um, you know, you think about the media attention that comes with all of that and just the, the, the elevated pressure of like, okay, now it's championship or you fail. And, um, you know, then you got to fig figure out how do you fit in within the system? Like yeah. basketball is a system, system of game. So how, how do you build that strategy and how do you fit in with that? And it was tough. I always call it the bullseye. And I think the Warriors dealt with this the last four years and especially KD walked into it the last two years where yeah. just night after night after night. I talked to Iguodal on the court after they won the, the title last week. And he was just saying, just never ends. It's like every day, yeah. social media, it's just day after day after day after day. Mm -hmm. There's this bright, bright spotlight on you. Yeah. And some guys get tired of it. Yeah. You it's know? The, it's like, we're, well, I mean, we live in that day and age. Like, you get, At least you get paid, though. That part's good. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. But it just, even you that value. You fly on charters? Even, even that, even that <laughs> value of, of kind of <laughs> building that, you, you know, like after a while, you're just like, all right, man, the game of basketball is is really all I want to do and prepare every single day and work on my craft, you know, and have some fun with some great guys around. You know, as you get older, um, and, I, and I talk like I've, like I'm- He's like, like you're yeah, 40. I'm not, but, yeah. I, but it's just like, you know, I'm going on my eighth year now and I've kind of experienced a lot within the league and, you know, it changes kind of your perspective a little bit over time. Like, I just want to be in a situation where I'm happy and- going after championships rather than it feeling like it's a maniacal job every single day dealing with different personalities and, yeah. and everything just in in general in a workplace like you just you deal with that that stuff and you gotta find your happiness within that yeah i was surprised when it became clear that you were available last summer <laughs> that you were weirdly underrated as a player <laughs> i felt like i was taking crazy pills because i was like Oh, he's worth this. He's one of the best nine guys in the league. And people are like, well, actually, we have no idea if he can run a team. We don't know if he's a franchise guy. I was like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> guy, guy hit, the, hit the finals winning shot in a game seven. And, yeah. and I, I just, I didn't understand it. Yeah, no, I. it comes with it, man. The perception itself. It was just weird. I mean. Because I always judge basketball players 
you know, I love going to the finals. I love when that spotlight gets super bright in those games and you can feel it in the arena. Mm -hmm. And it's just like certain guys step up. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the 2017 finals. I know it was only a five gamer, but it really did feel like it was you and LeBron versus Katie and Curry and mm -hmm. then everybody else. But it was toe to toe. And that series was closer than I think people realize. Yeah. It, if I was running yeah. the Cavs, I would not have traded you. I would have just <laughs> taken you to dinner out every night and. Bought, bought you uh, iPhones and iPads and whatever. <laughs> just try to make you happy. What are you? What do you need, Kyrie? Oh my goodness! I appreciate that. But. I just thought you guys were really good last year. Yeah. Zach Lowe was saying that uh, in the playoffs you were a top five offensive team like all time in that in the 2017 playoffs. You went against a Warriors team that had lost the year before and was super hungry and motivated. It was Katie's first time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And he played unbelievable. And he was great. Like he was just. Him and, him and stuff. Um, Could you identify with some of the stuff he was going through this year? Because he definitely was up and down. And it did seem like he it, the yeah. season wore on him a couple of times. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, kind of uh, being on top of, I call it being on top of Mount Everest, like that climb, you know, that steady climb. It starts in the summertime, goes throughout the season. Once you get on top of, of Mount Everest and you're like, and you're standing there, the 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 like you're enamored with your personality. Like people are just loving like, you know, yeah. finals MVP, you know, NBA champion. And, um, you know, after that it's like, so what's next? Yeah. You know, and it's just like, Oh, we have to do it all over again. And I have to now go through game one through 82 as if it's has like, it holds a certain value to, to me. Like it, you know, after you get there, you're like, whew, okay. That's what, that's what he was after. I mean, he was after winning a championship, being the best player on the floor, and he accomplished that. Now it's like, okay, what's next? And people are going, and I think he thought when they won the title, it was going to relieve some of the shit he took, and mm -hmm. it didn't. Mm -mm. People are like, oh, you chased the title. Yeah. And then he was like, really? Now I'm still, I'm the finals MVP. I'm still taking shit. And I, I do think it affected him. I thought I thought he, it affected him during the season. But he, I think that he, he does an incredible job of, kind of willing himself to to yeah. those like even to those moments of of showcasing why he is that great yeah you know and, and it's great to see as a fan of basketball like i love playing against him but also love watching him it's just he 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 has a presence about him that's like really unassuming but he dominates games and you know 30 plus is easy for him but then you see him get 10 assists some games and eight assists and he or or you know 14 rebounds where he had in the finals or the, the game four um where he had the triple double and he's just like working on his craft and yeah I, and i think that in itself was like okay i got the championship now i just want to work on my craft and now you know of course our platform that we're inevitably on as athletes becomes like everyone just starts attacking like no you're not you're not enough you're not this you're not yeah. that and it's just bro like just give it a break like <laughs> like seriously bro like give it a break like like let it go man like yes he's on an incredible team but He's also the best player on that team. Were you okay when he switched to them? What was your feeling? Yeah, I was happy for him. Yeah, I was happy for him, man. I, it, at the end of the day, if you can control your experience, like he he wanted that, so I'm not the one to be opposing in any way for that of someone making a decision for their lives, which is kind of why I was an advocate of of why I, I you know when I came out with my trade, like like no, I'm just trying to be in my own truth. I'm trying to figure out you know, kind of my life, you yeah. know, no disrespect to anyone else, but this was a decision I had to make for me. Right. You know, and people, you know, some people understand it, some people don't, but at the end of the day, it just really doesn't matter. You mentioned at the top of the podcast, you were talking about your generation. Mm -hmm. 
how it's definitely, and I think it started with the decision in 2010 when uh, when LeBron went to Miami and it's led to this decade of player empowerment yeah. and players being in control. And we're seeing it this weekend with Kawhi. Yeah. He's not a free agent yet. I call no. it pre, I, I think he's a pre-agent. <laughs> a pre-agent? Yeah, he's 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 celebrating his pre-agency right now. Yeah, no, I was, well, I was talking to my best friend Alex earlier about this. And I was saying that when LeBron did that in 2010, I think as a free agent to to do that is like what he did was incredible, you know, in terms of player empowerment. And then now you look at where players are now realizing their own value within the organization and yeah. what they bring to the to other teams. And now they're controlling it like as as best you can, like not being disrespectful to the team, but now we're just open and honest about how we feel about our life outside of basketball and how it affects. And when there's a like a, a very, very smooth correlation between that, like life and then basketball, but it actually it's pretty cohesive. So, um, you know, and now you see it like, no, I don't want to be in this situation anymore. Like I actually want to be somewhere else and I'm going to communicate that with you. And I know my value. I know that, you know, we're, if this is going to work, I have to part ways and you just right. go about it. And now it's like, you don't have to wait until free agency to do that anymore. The team doesn't have to trade you, but it's like now you can communicate it. You know, it's just you want your team team to be happy. So, you know, you want your star player to be happy. And if he's not, then what are you going to do to fix it? And are you going to trade him away? Do you think but, that's your generation though? You're a millennial. Are you an official by the millennial? Way, I, love, I love that word millennial. Are you a millennial? Or you might be too young to be a millennial. I can, I can never tell what the, what the age range is. But I think... <laughs> The, younger, the fact that the fact that we get grouped as millennials, like as like a, a from an older generation, is like no, no. You guys are like, oh, okay, we had the baby boomers. Okay, we had the, you I know, was the internet X. age and generation X, and now we got millennials. Like, all right, all right, all right guys. Okay, we're okay. We're we're just we're just gonna group everybody as millennials. I think you're a post millennial. Probably. I mean, I don't even know. But I'm 26. So, regardless, your generation is used to. <laughs> here we go. Your gen no no yeah, this is good talks. you're gonna like I love this these talks. I'm bringing this around you're right. gonna you're gonna be in on this your generation decides your entertainment value at all times the streaming mm -hmm. you know whatever show you want to watch you can watch it if you want food you just order from wherever it's gonna show up yeah you have your phone um just everything I'm sorry it's getting hot in there is one of the air conditionings on no you're good you're yeah. good don't worry about I'm it take mine off there um whatever you guys want you can basically like all right I want to do that mm -hmm. and it's available accessibility. And now it feels like that's trickled in the NBA in some ways where people are like, I'm not happier. I'd rather go there. Yeah. And then that happens at the same time as somebody who studied NBA history and wrote a book about it once, this has been the league the entire time. Like Will Chamberlain 50 years ago was like, eh, I want to go to the Lakers and they traded on the Lakers. So I do feel like the league, the way it's built, it's built around stars. And if stars become unhappy or they start looking elsewhere, they start thinking about moving. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. You see I agree. where I'm coming from. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I do. And um, I'm with you. I agree. I agree. I think, but the from the flip side is like, now it's becoming a little bit more consistent. Like where the communication, like using our specific platforms to communicate how we're feeling. I mean, yes. everyone has a, has a guy that they're like, hey, look. I'm not really necessarily happy here. And then someone else gets that information. It's like, boom, it's off. And now it's like, a, now it becomes a rumor and now it starts trickling, like roll, becoming a snowball effect in terms of what you want to make happen. It's the weirdest thing ever. It's the it's, weirdest thing ever. It's very easy to manipulate if you run a website like theringer.com. <laughs> like Kawhi Leonard last month was at a Dodgers game. 
We did a post. We had a picture of it. We did a post about it. Like, hey, Kawhi Leonard's at a Dodger game. It became a story. See, that's, I mean, that's a but thing. But all though. he was doing was going to a Dodger game. Yeah. But at the same time, he was sitting on the side where the Dodgers put their guests. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then we knew he <laughs> See, went to more, San Diego. Like, those See, details, there's layers to it. Those details are like, it just become <laughs> unbelievable. Like, this content <laughs> is just crazy. Uh, yeah. So when you go to Boston, the fans loved you immediately. And I don't think people realized how fun it was to have Kyrie Irving on their team game to game. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you'll, you'll do stuff every game. You, <laughs> you get money's worth out of Kyrie. But what what was really interesting to me, because I had never really watched you day in, day out like that. And obviously, mm-hmm. I love the Celtics. You You leave, like, big scoring performances on the table. It's like, tell me if this is true. You You'll know in the first quarter. You'll set the tone. You'll go by somebody once. And then it's like, all right, I know I can do that. And then you just kind of get everyone else involved, but you kind of keep it in your back pocket. You you had games where I was like, he's going to score 70. And then you wouldn't shoot for eight minutes. <laughs> so See? it's like you you kind of yeah, yeah. No, you feel I, the game out and you do what you need to do, but you don't feel the need to like dominate the game and get the hell out of my way. I'm shooting 35 shots tonight. You never do that. No, no, no. But I... I I can say that uh, as I've evolved as a, as a player, I think that the management of the game has become a little bit better because, um, you know, you're going to need your teammates at the end of the game. Yeah. So in order to have them get a rhythm, I know that, okay, this is a particular player or defender I'm going against that you know, I can take advantage of anytime, anytime I want. And, right. Um, you know, I could, I could shoot this shot right here every single time down, but the... I have to make it easier for other guys as well. Like that, that management of the game has to just be easy for them. Just and and that's what I've learned as as being one of the one of the players on the team, especially with Boston. Like we had young guys, you know, they're they're, they're you know just trying to do everything at once. Yeah, and I'm like, guys, like just ease into it. Like the game, it's a long game. It's yeah. a 48 minute game. That's it's an eternity, man. So like the first six minutes, I'll know like, okay, this is a big time. If it's a big time, high level game, I know I have to put my mark on the game right away just yeah. to set the tone. And then for the rest of the game, you just manage it. Isaiah, this is my favorite thing about Isaiah Thomas. He would just he'd get everyone else involved for 44 minutes and we had to take over the last four. For he'd sure. Take it That's over. the most fun. Yeah. And the stats, it's funny because we're so stats obsessed now. And then people start comparing. They're like, oh, Isaiah Thomas, who it's only 20 points a game during the two title runs. And it's like, yeah, but he could have scored 35 a game. Yeah. The whole point was he gave up the 15 points a game to the other dudes because mm-hmm. he knew it was better for those guys. Mm-hmm. And he could always score when he wanted yeah. to. But I did see I did see signs from that from you mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. And you also had a young team. Hey, you lose Hayward in five minutes. Yeah. It, and that was tough. That was tough. Yeah, you us. were you were affected even the next game. It took you like a week to shake that off, it seemed like. Yeah, I, I just was pissed. I was pissed. I was pissed for our team and more or less for Gordon. You know what I mean? It was like he was just now starting to get a rhythm in preseason. Yeah. And then, you know, it was just it was just tough. It was tough. And then I'm the one that threw the pass. So I was just like, you know, for the alley-oop. And I was like, I was holding on to that for a while. I was just like, damn, bro. Like, Because at the time, I, you know, and I'm not... I'll take responsibility. Like I'll take part of the responsibility, but he was, he wasn't really open. I saw D Wade over there, and then just he came down like wrong, and I'm just like, oh, f. Like I thought he got nudged that knocked him off balance too. I just was like, man. And then it just, I was just, I'm still sick about it. It just was like, man, we, because we, we had a really good training camp, like yeah. a really good training camp, and the preseason games weren't even going to be the, 
like the, the the factor determining how we how great we're gonna be. I knew it from the first day. Yeah. Like because the challenge of forming this team wasn't really hitting us. We had already come from different situations. Like JB, Jalen Brown didn't play last year as much, yeah. but he played in the Eastern Conference Finals. Marcus is coming up a year where we're playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. He has a big game against us, game three. They win on they win at home. Yeah. Terry comes in. Me and him don't necessarily expect to go against one another, but we, we're now teammates. And now the challenge of like, okay, I'm going against you every day. You're going against me every day. That's only going to make us better. Yeah. JT comes from Duke. Very, very talented. I'm going to be a superstar as well as our other young guys. But he was nervous about like, okay, where do I fit into all this? Like any other rookie. But he was just talented as shit. Like I'm looking at him. I'm like, bro, you are, <laughs> you do some things that I'm just like, they're Kobe-esque. Yeah. But he finishes around the rim really well and he's athletic and he has long arms. I'm like, okay, now how do I elevate him? Then when Gordon went down, the opportunity shifted to those guys. So my attention went to them of just helping them develop that attitude. Like you got to be a killer every single night. Don't take anything for granted out here on the floor and, and we'll be fine. Tatum uh, by December was like, wow, something's here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he still didn't really even realize it in game seven of the Eastern finals when he dunked on LeBron and hit a three over him and then didn't get the ball for the next four minutes because he's a kid, but it's all there. Mm -hmm. I mean, the I, tools I'm, are there. I am not worried about that. Dude. The tools are there. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, I couldn't yeah. believe how well he did for how young he was. And plus he hit the rookie wall and it was like, all right, he hit the rookie wall. That's fine. We'll get some good stuff out of him sometimes, but it's, we've seen this. Mm -hmm. And then after you got hurt, it seemed like he, kind of regrouped mm -hmm. and oh, then he had I no thought choice. he was really yeah he had no, he choice. Had no choice he had to shoot had at no that choice. point and Brad just you know Brad is one of the most adaptable coaches um, that I've ever been around he's yeah. just an highly intelligent um, about the game about life and talking to him is always awesome I just had dinner with him the other night um, him and his wife and his kids and you know talking basketball with him is just it, it's it's such a relief you yeah. know to have a basketball mind like that an appreciation of the game like doesn't forget plays like knows when the the shift in the game happens and you know he was we were going over like things that could have been done differently this season and, and it just it was like it was a breath of fresh air talking to him um yeah he's so know. good on those out of bounds plays that i get mad when we don't score i use we <laughs> like i'm on the team it's like what do you mean it's eight seconds left this yeah, is yeah. our time yeah, coming yeah. out of time out yeah, yeah. who's getting a layup Guar guaranteed yeah misdirection got, action for he's like a savant yeah yeah for sure but thought, like for, for the most random person too. Yeah. It's like Aaron Baines coming <laughs> off a down screen for a mid-range jumper in the, in the middle of the lane. And it's like, nobody expects that. Right. Like should have set a Chicago pick or out, sets it for Baines and Baines curls. And like, if Baines isn't open, he goes into a dribble handoff. And it's just like, okay, now we play read and react game. Um, you I know. loved what he did against Philly in the confetti game when he called the timeout after he saw what they were doing on defense to set up the lob for Horford under the basket. And that was sick. Adapt. He yeah. adapts. Yeah. What, compare and contrast him and Coach K. Oof. There is no compare and contrast between those two. They're, they're, they're great individuals, so I don't even, you know. But I, I think that, I would say that Coach is also adaptable I, I would say that that that's something that they share coaches you know when I came into school coach was talking about um you know how I was gonna be part of it and yeah he's like no nah, you're just gonna you're just gonna run the you're gonna run our team yeah like, you're not a, 
you're part of the team, but you're going to run our team. Like you're a freshman. I was 18 years old. No, you're going to run our team. And then, you know, we've just developed a great friendship over the years. Um, Do you feel like a Duke guy? Because how long were you there? Like eight months? Of course, man. Look at, look at this. Look it was at this like you had like a cup of coffee there. <laughs> I mean, I may have stopped at Panda Express on campus a few times. <laughs> You wear Duke gear? Yeah, of course. Like, do you bet guys on the team that are March Madness? Like, are you at yeah. that level? Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone likes to bring it up, but I, I I would I would just say this. This is my argument. It takes others 30-some games, 60 games to get to the NBA. It took me 11. Right. You Duke, I, wore, I wore Duke on my chest. We were number one in the country. We were 8-0 and then get to the tournament and lose to Derek Williams and the Arizona Wildcats. Ah. I was, uh, I'm still sore about that. You Tatum, and then if they take Grayson Allen with twenty-seven, you have like a whole Duke side of the locker room. You just paint it, paint this side of it yeah, blue. Yeah, you know, put a Coach K Danny. picture up there for sure. <laughs> Idolize uh, Coach. Quick break to talk about Gillette. Gillette started sponsoring sports almost one hundred and ten years ago in nineteen ten. They did an ad with Honus Wagner, John McGraw, Harry Davis, Hugh Jennings. All of them were plugging the Gillette Safety Razor. That's how long Gillette's been good. Honus Wagner even said, I shave with a Gillette. I know of nothing that could induce me to change that decision. And now it's 2018. We have the Gillette 5 Razor, five-bladed razor lubrication strip. Provides great gliding performance with less irritations. 360 aqua grip handle. Make sure you have total control of your razor even when it's all wet. Gillette offers a variety of shaving products for every guy, regardless of his personal style, skin needs, or budget. And whether you want three blades or five, the Gillette 3 and Gillette 5 razors have you covered all under $10. That's high performance at a low price. Get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. Find Gillette 5 at GilletteOnDemand.com. Subscribe today. What was it like sitting out the playoffs and then watching them make a run? It sucked, man. It sucked. Because you have to sucked. be a supportive leader veteran guy, yeah, but at the it, same time, you want to be out there. For sure. It like absolutely sucked. And, um, you know, I can't even sugarcoat it. It was, it was tough. Um, not from like kind of watching the guys, but of what I was dealing with outside of that. Like I was leaving the games at halftime because I had eight hour shifts of antibiotics that I had to take oh, for yeah. my infection. I had a pick line in my arm, you know, for two months. And I'm just like, every day is like, okay, you know, I can't necessarily lift. I can't run. I, I can't do anything. If I didn't have my um, kind of pick line in for my infection, then i I would have definitely gone after trying to be ready for at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Really? Yeah, for sure. But the infection was just, I had no, like I got two surgeries in a matter of, I think it was a three-week span. I got the screws taken out, then I, you know, I had to take out everything completely. I got the wiring taken out first, excuse me, and then I got the screws taken out. So so. you felt, you were playing, you felt just a constant agitation. Yeah, I felt like my body was kind of rejecting the screws at, at a point. And oh, interesting. Yeah, Probably because it, it had the infection, right? Yeah. And, and I, it just was like, my body was just like, okay, the screws have, uh, you know, I was talking about my body as I know it. And yeah. it's just like, after a while, my body was just telling me like, bro, what are you doing with this metal in your body anymore? Like it, it served its purpose. I'm healed. Yeah. But now it's like, it's just getting in the way of, of you just being completely healthy. So, so um, they took the screws out and they found that the areas the area was a little infected mm-hmm. and was actually dangerous to you. Yeah. Really dangerous. Really dangerous. So what, if they hadn't taken the screws out, what would happen? Uh, I would have just had, you just would have felt like crap. Yeah. Like crap. 
and it just got worse. Like I started to have some muscle deficiencies and um, or atrophy, excuse me, in my in my left quad, just because my my leg just started to shut down. It just was, you know, after a while, I just I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. So how do you feel now? I feel good now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like me. You know, before I knew I had screws in my knee. Now I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm screwless. I have a I have some friends with the Celtics. <laughs> 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 I have some friends with the Celtics and I was envisioning this Willis Reed scenario for you in game seven. Oh, no. I was like, nah, he's gonna he's gonna play, right? He'll be all right. And they're like, No, that infection's bad. He's not playing. No. There's no chance. Mm -mm. It was the same thing with Hayward. It was like, yeah, Hayward could come back in round three earlier. They were yeah. like, No, no, yeah. he's not coming back. Hey, even he even, broke his ankle. He's not coming back. Even Gordon with his plate. Yeah. Being taken out. I think, you know, it uh, yeah. It it's just tough to have like metal in your body for a while. You know, um, when I got it, the doctor was like, okay, this may be in for a few years. And it was like, after two years, it was like, this is done. Yeah. So, so you was, would you say it was a mistake not to do it last summer if you had to do it over again? I, 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 I didn't, it wasn't as, uh, as bad last summer. Like yeah. I didn't really, it, it didn't affect me as much. Um, you know, then in the beginning of the season too, as well, I had maybe a little bit of pain and then it would be good yeah. and then it would come back and then. You know, and then I would have to deal with it. And I would, some games I just played, you know, with it just being the way it was hurting, but, you know, I didn't really mind. I was just focused on kind of, like, there was a lot of vengeance that I had in my, <laughs> in my, in my mind, just yeah. of, of just, I want to play great. I want our team to be great. I want to go into the playoffs, like, with our team being great. I want to really go after this. And then when I came back from All Star break, I think I played maybe six games, five games. I came out firing. Like, I was just, and then I got to uh, Houston. Yeah, that Houston game. And after that, I was like, I. I that just was a great game. Uh, yeah, it was. But I wasn't even. I wasn't even feeling it. Like I wasn't even feeling the game. I, I was yeah. fo so focused on my knee that I was like, and I hate that type of uh, you know kind of performance from me in a big game like that. Like going against Houston, it was a possibility that we could have been playing in the finals, and it was like. Man, I want to. I want to play great tonight. And, yeah, you know, it's fucking quiet. Eighteen points, and say, I'm just like, man, I wanted. Ugh, I wanted to destroy them. Yeah, but I just my knee just went. I wasn't going for it. What's the best stretch of your career that you've had? Last three games of sixteen finals. The best stretch. Yeah, where, where you just felt like you were at the peak of your powers. I've I've yet to feel that. Oh, I like that. I like hearing that. You're on the yeah. Celtics. Yeah, I have yet. This to. is great. <laughs> I have yet to feel that. Like the championship run was incredible, but I've yet to I feel. I mean, you did like have forty-five in Game Five, right? Forty-one. Forty-one. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Game Seven Finals, coming out of the timeout, and they get their the shots going to you. Mm -hmm. You know it's going to you. What are you thinking? Make the shot <laughs> first and foremost. Are you like, but I'm making this, or I hope I make this, or. Is everything I mean, I, blocked out? What's the mental process? Because that's a pretty big spot. Yeah. It was just calm. It was calm, man. It was calm. I, Either way, make or miss, I was going to be cool with the result. It just was, it just was actually just stepping up and taking it. I'd, I'd taken that shot, you know, since I've been 16 years old, you know, kind of right, hezzy, step back, going to my right hand, and it creates enough distance um, between me and the defender to get the shot off. It's a little fade to the right. Um, you know, but my angle to the rim was just perfect. You know, just just knock it in.
Can you work on your traveling this summer? Uh, traveling is now in. Harden takes five steps when he takes a three now. I think you need to add that. Can you add two more steps on the step back? I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen what Harden does now? Yeah. And apparently it's still not a travel. No, he's gathering I don't think the ball. it's a travel. I don't think it's a travel. Well, because he's gathering the ball, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, but it was like he's at the point now, James is at the point where he doesn't even see the defender anymore. Like, it doesn't matter who's on him. Like yeah. that space and but he creates with his step back, he like lines up the ball. Like he just he just takes a step back and just like literally just like I'm six six. Yeah. I'm an incredible shooter now. I can go by you or I can shoot this. Yep. And and also he conserves energy. Like it's so easier, it's so much easier to get to thirty with five threes. Yeah. Than to get to thirty taking all twos and mid range jump shots. Right. Like and you know what I mean? Hole. Like, yeah, he probably I think he would have attempted eight, nine threes a game. Yeah. So you shoot what, thirty six percent, thirty six to forty percent, you know, you shoot nine threes, you know, you can live with those odds. Who's the worst guy to get switched on to? The worst guy? Yeah, for for you, we were like, oh God. <laughs> I, I don't I mean, switching on to bigs is like a Yeah, that's like I I, I love the challenge, but I I usually come out of that situation a little bit more hurt than when I went in. Mm. <laughs> Like I, I like just like, yo, I'm about to I'm about to bang with I'm about to bang with him. I'm about to give him yeah. I'm about to right, I'm about to show him that I'm just I, I'm actually pretty strong. And then when they just put like one elbow in your chest or yeah, like they just back their backs out into you and you just like you gotta take that first initial hit. Like the the first one's cool and then the second one's just like, what am I doing down here? Like <laughs> get, get the like get the hell out of here, man. <laughs> Yeah. LeBron had some moments like that when he'd have a smaller guy switch on. Like a couple of times Marcus would try to reach in and LeBron would just get mad and he would just like flex his shoulder. So yeah. the next time it happened, yeah, all of a sudden he's a brick really wall. Too. Yeah. Marcus is really strong too. Actually, thought Marcus like, did a pretty good job on LeBron. He's yeah. just six inches shorter than him. Yeah. But yeah. He, he makes even, it tough. He makes feisty. it tough. He's an incredible defender. Uh, what was it like to have Marcus Smart as your teammate for an entire year? It was... Uh, He's a beloved Boston athlete. No, I know. Um, he he like he just does things for your team that you're just like. When he came back, and the first thing he did when he got in was dive on the floor after <laughs> right. he's just been out for a month and some change after getting thumb surgery. Like, yeah, he's got a split on his that hand. That in itself is like. But he's on my team. Like yeah. you know what I mean. You got to love that type of effort, and. Um, you know, he just he 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 adds like a, a versatility for our team. So there was a lot of guys on that team um, last year and hopefully this year too that just kind of connected with the crowd. Mm -hmm. You know, Marcus I think Morris. When Marcus, when he gets that one offensive rebound in traffic and then flies back and gets a three point play and goes flying into the basket support, like people would just get fired up. Mm -hmm. You know, and like when you would go on your little runs and mm -hmm. I don't know, I thought the crowds were like especially good oh, this year. They were incredible. And they were they were really helpful. The fans were incredible. Too. I mean, thinking about the Houston game, we were down by twenty six. Yeah. Um. You know, two refs out there, and like after a while, you just the fans. They just they're. We, it got to the point where we were never out of a game, basically. Yeah. Like ever, we were ever even on the road, but more or less at home. Like you make a. We used to go on 10-0 runs in the final two minutes being down 16. Like, and the crowd just erupts. They're like, oh, we have, like, we've had a chance this whole game. I'm glad you guys stepped up your effort. Let's reward them by just giving them everything we have. And yeah. Then, you know, so. Yeah, cool. you can feel it in the in the arena. Mm -hmm. There's been some special Celtics teams over the years, but the. Uh, 
What happened? I mean, after you got hurt, it was just like, oh yeah, all right, we're gonna probably lose in round one. Maybe Brad will pull off a miracle, Mm-mm. and then all of a sudden, <laughs> not with our coach three staff. two in the Eastern Finals. Yeah, yeah. uh, uh-uh. not with our coaching staff and not with our players this year. They 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 did an incredible job. Our matchups are they're scary for for teams. Really, really scary. Well, think about next year. Yeah, like really, really scary. No team is like because not only in terms of our defense, but offensively. We have guys that can create off the dribble other yeah. than kind of me, Terry, or Marcus. Those, those, our wings are just, they're incredible. What's cool about next year's team is how flexible the lineups are. Mm-hmm. I, I do it in 2K you all the time. three guards, you can do, yeah. yeah. I do it in 2K all the time. You like, play the Celtics in 2K? Cheap, yeah, for sure. I'm, I don't pick anybody else. I don't I pick appreciate that. anybody else. Nobody else. I, I, the starting five is me, JB, Gordon, JT, Al. Second five, Marcus. Rogier. I'll leave, I'll leave uh, Terry. I'll leave JB or JT in there. I'll leave Gordon in there, and then I'll throw Baines. And then you know, so you, you like just, the eight man rotation? It's eight, not eight nine man, eight yeah. nine man rotation. You know, we'll, we'll have a we'll have a, a pretty solid guy. The twenty seventh. Yeah, pick. it was it was funny hearing people be like, "Well, what's going to happen next year when Hayward comes back?" I'm like, uh, "We'll play Tatum, Brown, and Hayward together." <laughs> what's the problem? We did. It we'll in switch on defense, and it'll be great. Mm-mm. They like, oof, they have, it's scary. It's scary how good you're fired up for this year. You got to get through all this Uncle Drew promotion, and then we need you. We need you in which or some remote high school gym in Southern California, just working on your game. When can you start playing again? <laughs> like a month. What? So when you're not playing, do you feel like a void? Does it feel weird? No, no. I say you're not one of those guys. Like, oh, this is my my quiet place. I no, no, here. no. Um, what I would say is that from the. Uh, the another perspective is that when I when I was injured and I was Helm, I got to really really develop other interests and and sell um kind of really really dive into some of my passions that I have you know so like what like just appreciation of art trying to create my business you know that you know kind of watching I, I fell in love with just watching CNBC I, I think that is one of the most Really? Yeah, hilarious channels. It, it really is funny to watch them go crazy over like <laughs> just companies and what the market is doing. It's like funny. Like it's like this just in. <laughs> Pepsi just oh they're they're trying to reach millennials in terms of consumer and beverage and they're in a competition and they're trying to grow and it's just like well welcome in so and so from Goldman Sachs is going to speak on what they're investing in. It's just like it's just, it's just <laughs> all all day though. Power Lunch is one of my favorites. Uh, you know, so I just literally used to just turn it on in the morning and just leave it on all day, all day. So, yeah. Do you like that earlier NBA schedule? Cause, yeah. Because all of a sudden it's like September and everything's going again. Yeah. 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 It, there's a, there is a demand for it, you know, so I don't, I don't mind giving that to the, to, to the fans. Yeah. You know, there's a demand for the game of basketball. There's a demand to see great players on the floor. You know, you get to see us 82 times a year. So, and then including the playoffs. What's so. your ideal schedule? 75? 70? No, nah, man. Probably like two college seasons, probably like 60. 60? 60. I don't think the owners would go for that. No, no. Like I said, there's too much of a demand. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, people love basketball right for now. For sure. Did you watch the finals? Are you watching it like a fan? And It was, it was like, I watched it as a, as a, as a, kind of as a critic and then as yeah. well as a of like a fan of 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 kind of both teams you know so it was just man it, it was an interesting finals to say the least what what was your reaction when jr forgot the score 
having played with him for years. I mean, and LeBron as well. Like shit happens, man. Like, you know, it, it just shit happens sometimes. It, in that type of environment, of course, it was going to be like the biggest thing ever. Like, yo, what could have happened in those four seconds? You know, could yeah. you have put up a floater? You start putting all the scenarios and all the pressure on. Like, what What if, what if? Like, people love doing that shit all day. Yeah. Like, that's what our society is, like, built on all the time. Like, it's just like, what if, what could, should have that's happened. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's what I'm saying, yeah. bro. And then, like, you draw emotion to that. And then, like, people just start kind of having their own, like, perception of it. You know, it's just like, but at the end of the day, like, shit happens, bro. The like, clip didn't help of LeBron on the bench no. reacting and then no. sagging back with the hands over his head. No, so but, it did seem like that killed them going into the OT. I went to the game and you could feel like... Did they, did it, they it, score? It, I think that... I mean, the Warriors yeah. won the OT by 10. Yeah. It, you it could, just yeah. felt like uh, it took LeBron out. I've never seen LeBron angrier ever. Because he was so mad about the call. He's mad about JR. And then he pinned the Steph shot at the end on the backboard and then was like talking shit to him, which he usually doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was emotionally... He's very aggro. Yeah, emotionally. <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> emotionally, the finals is just... It's the biggest stage. Biggest yeah. stage. So you you make one mistake on there. You say one misquote on there and they're, they're killing you for it. They're just killing you for it. That's, do you like the press conferences? Are you amused by them? Amused? Yeah. Because it's basically nine out of every 10 questions are going to be awful. And you have to sit there and pretend and just not be sarcastic and pick them apart. No comment? Glad the NBA does a great job showcasing us. Oh, that's a great answer. You're really good at this. <laughs> you might Redirect. have to get your own CNBC. Redirect. You should get your own CNBC show someday. <laughs> Redirect. <laughs> um, no, but I think it's just like it just becomes it just becomes like it just becomes entertainment. There's too much of it. Like this, you know, Draymond said about this about Tristan. Tristan said this about Draymond. It's like, bro, give it a break. It's just the finals. It. People eat it. It's up. just the finals, man. Like, just who cares? Like, we just want to see you guys play. Like. Just play game, play the game. All that personal stuff can go out the window. We have a winner. We have a loser. Everybody goes home. Okay. <laughs> one team celebrates. One team goes home and makes offseason moves. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like the offseason started. Once the game was over, offseason started. Who's signing extension? Who? And like, it's just like the Warriors just won the chip. The offseason started. The actually, the offseason started today with this Kawhi story. We had about. The off season, we had a week. The offseason started at All-Star break. What does that mean? Well, with the texting and the... the all, All-Star break. The buttering up? Yeah, All-Star break, it started. It started. So you, you're a believer? In what? In the players. Hey, man. Hey, what about this summer? <clears throat> no, I think, I think we all have great relationships. Redirect. <laughs> can't get... Can't keep, I don't want to get caught for tampering or... All right. It's tough. It's tough. It's a tough life out here, Bill. Celtics are the number two favorite next year. Are we? Yeah. Six to one. Oh, you already you already looked it up? I, I look this stuff up all the time. This is what I do. <laughs> six to one? Yeah. You Although the that? Lakers, the Lakers climbed to six to one this week just because of the rumors that LeBron was here looking for schools with his kids. So that's that's happening too. And now the Kawhi thing as well. <sighs> yeah. Man, this is gonna be intense. LeBron Kawhi blank that's a contender we're also forgetting about paul george well that's that's what i mean paul george or maybe some somebody we're not thinking of yet 
So that's the thing. You never know. Nobody knew you were available in mid-June last year, you know, and then all of a sudden you were available. Yeah. So I always feel the biggest thing is the shorter contracts. I think that's why there's more movement. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just like, you know, you think about 15, 20 years ago, like Jalen Rose, he signed like a seven year, hundred million dollar deal or something in Indiana. He's there for seven years or they, or they're in control of trading him. But the way you guys have rigged it now, it's basically like LeBron has been the smartest of all. It's like just constantly running it back one year, one year, one year, mm-hmm. one year. So he has more power. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you that value um, that we, that us as players have, have really, really just figured out. Like we know where we add value. We know um, kind of how great we are as players and how do you work with management to, ultimately win multiple win a championship or win multiple championships go after year after year yeah you know and then at the end of the day first comes first is be happy like like i said that's 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 the main reason like i feel um you know i'm so supportive of players kind of doing what they want to do like if that's your happiness bro go after it it's an amazing generation of players i have talked about this on the podcast before but you know when i was growing up the, especially the younger guys were really hit or miss and some of them couldn't handle either their first big contract or the attention or just mm-hmm. the pressure playing. And then you went through the eighties and drug, you know, drugs yeah. were a big issue in the eighties. Then you went to the nineties and guys are 19 getting $80 million contracts. They're just handling it badly. Like the hip hop mm-hmm. generation. Then the LeBron generation comes in and now everybody handles their business. Well, like mm-hmm. I was talking to Donovan Mitchell at the, at the finals, the guy's like, he's 35 years old. Yeah, and he's 22. Mm-hmm. Tatum's the same way. Tatum already knows how to be boring in interviews. Mm-hmm. He's not going to say anything. No. And but it's this whole generation. I think they learn from the LeBron Wade Bosch generation of like kind of how to handle their business. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Yeah. So you agree with it? You no, know, I agree with it. I agree with it. Um, I think that we all try to individually create our own. Like we we all try to be a trailblazer one way or another. Yeah. In terms of how we view our business, the opportunities that we're afforded. Um, how do we take advantage of that? I don't think necessarily, you know, um, athletes are just trying to position themselves with with just a brand as just getting paid for it. Now, you know, you start looking in, into the deal itself. Like people are looking for equity. Like, we're, no, we yeah. we actually want to be part of this if we're going to try to grow this business for right. you. Like, you can use my likeness. You can use who I am. You know, it comes with a lot. But the value I'm adding to this is just a lot more than just maybe here, take this amount, X amount of money to you know, promote this brand. Cool. But now it's like on the back end, like, what are you, what am I, what am I actually getting from it? Like, what are we getting from each so other? So you want to cut from 2K basically. You want an <laughs> extra tip? You're one of the most fun 2K guys. <laughs> Is there so, anything they got wrong with your 2K character? Is there anything that, that they did, they've could have added that you don't have? Is uh, the Hezzy my correct? Hair. My hair, man. Oh, the hair, they you don't like the like, hair? They gave me like, like I was losing my hair and like, <laughs> In the back of my hair, like, I'm just like, bro, I'm not losing my hair. Like, <laughs> so I think, you know, and then also they like completely disrespected me, like in terms of giving me a 90. I was uh. just like, bro, how am I going to be the cover athlete? And then I'm a 90. I was like, come on, man. And they, you know, after a while I told them I was going to work for it. And then now I'm a 93. So I was cool. Yeah. I, I, you could go a little higher than that. I'm, I'm humbly at 93. I don't mind it. I just would love to be over 90. I was hovering around the 89, 90. They give you the hundred handle, I bet. For sure, you have to. Um, the handle, I mean, come on now. When did you start working on the handle? What age? Like six? I've been dribbling since I was 18 months. Really? Yeah. Your dad? I, didn't, I didn't really start really get. I didn't start getting creative with it until maybe high school. 
high school. I always had like, I tried to emulate Allen Iverson's crossover, but instead of left to right, right to left. And then I just started kind of working on combinations and it just took off from there. Yeah, because watching you, especially during some of the more boring games, it seems like you were experimenting in the game. <laughs> yeah, Like going fun. to the rim and be like, I, I know I could this could be conventional, but I'm going to do a double pump lefty instead sure. to see if this goes in. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Why not? This is what the game is for. I know I get that probably the situation may not be right all the time in terms of trying it, but like, I think that's kind of what, what separates me is like, all right, cool. You know, we, we can have the normal stuff, the mid-range pull up, but then, hey, let's throw like a little post-up, like fade, shimmy, going yeah. baseline, shooting over the, like kind of over the side of the glass. Or let's get this bank shot going left, like floater from like the free throw line. Right. Like, just try it. Like, I practice it, so why not try it? Yeah, Curry seems like he does that too sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I wonder if I can make this. He's yeah, like, I you're mean, 37 feet away from the basket. And then he it goes He knows in. he can make it though. Yeah. It, and it's like, he confidently shoots that because he practices it. He works on it. I mean, he shoots half court shots before he, for his warm up. That, that's ridiculous. Right. Like, I, I've never seen, I've, I've never seen And he has shooter. a crowd. I, I mean, and his the guy who passes the those balls to him for the shots is like kind of a celebrity at the games. Mm -hmm. The guy with the beard, mm -hmm. he throws perfect chest passes right at Steph's nipple, <laughs> just gets it perfect right in the same spot every time. <laughs> Clearly, you've been watching this. I was I was watching the finals. I was like, this is one of the best free shows we have. <laughs> Steph Steph shooting like thirty footers routinely. That yeah. guy said he made 77. 77 threes in a row. I believe it. He's an incredible shooter. Um. The Celtics said that they were surprised how much, from a personality temperament standpoint, you reminded them of KG. Mm. Was uh, one of the notes mm. I heard through the grapevine. Yeah, that you were very hands-on, mm -hmm. very emotional in a good way about just getting stuff done correctly and right, mm -hmm. and not um, really, not really talkative in in terms of um, kind of uh, what people asked about what was going on, on our team because I didn't think that was necessarily important for everyone to know. Um, but yeah, just forming our identity. That was, yeah. that was one of the most important things in order to go after championships is forming that identity in order to go after something that's bigger than yourself. And, you know, when you have guys that are kind of willing to listen, you know, it makes it a lot easier. Those guys wanted it. So, it, you know, they, they wanted me to be hands-on. So it was easier for me, easy for me to do it. Did you know you want that? Cause you wanted that? Cause at Cleveland, obviously LeBron's deciding everything. And part of being the best guy on a team is only one guy gets to kind of decide mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But I think that narrative is like, it just itself that, you know, kind of that thinking is just outdated. Like, okay. It's just outdated now. Like, because, you know, of, of course the best player, it should have that responsibility, but like, and then, and then it becomes, we blame everybody else. If it's not, you know, a success for that best player, like it, right. it's just like, just let it go. You know what I mean? Like everyone shares a responsibility within winning and losing. So, you know, don't have the responsibility put mainly on, you know, him. And then, you know, when, when it falls, it's like, okay, he falls with man, his teammates, like, just like in it. I think it's just a little outdated. That's all. Like, because we all are showcasing our talents one way or another. We're sharing yeah. this responsibility to win a basketball game. If we've come up short, we all must take responsibility. That's all I've tried to do in my career. Yeah. You know, even if I have to take majority of the blame, it's like, cool. But, you know, my teammates, you know, even in wins and losses, I still have to elevate them, still have to give them that that confidence, still have to echo that I believe in them. How long did you film Uncle Drew for? 
month and a half in Atlanta. And you were in prosthetics and playing basketball. Yeah, it was hot as shit out How there. How many hours of prosthetics? Sometimes it would be 16 hour shoot days. In Atlanta? Yep. That sounds like torture. Yep. How, well heavy, how heavy were the prosthetics? Heavy. God. Yeah. Intense, bro. I mean, intense. How long did it take to get off? I ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> I used to rip it off. Like, I, I like because we'd be playing basketball or we'd be uh, kind of in a, a nursing home or be, uh, you know, in the club dancing. And, you know, it was like, it just got really hot. It got really hot. But I was well worth it, though, because I, I got to kind of like work on, um, you know, kind of my language a little bit with the ladies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Can if you, you explain could fall, more? Like, if you could fall for Uncle Drew. <laughs> if you could fall for Uncle Drew, if I could talk to a female with Uncle Drew makeup on, mm. bro, I'm living it. I'm living it. Like if if I could if I could talk, and even though they knew it was me underneath, but yeah, just Uncle Drew talking to like a female, like yo, wearing an all velour suit. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's going to be weird if you're going to bars two years from now dressed as Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what made you want to be a star of a movie? Uh, I had, I really had no, I, I didn't really want to. It just like happened. You know, it started as like an internet short um, kind of series and then elevated to a commercial. And they were like Lionsgate and Temple Hill and uh, Jay Longino wrote the, wrote uh kind of the storyline, the narrative, then Charleston III directed it. And I was like, boom, you're our lead. And that was it. I was just like, okay, this is a real thing. Like, this is a real thing. Like, I, I it took me a while to really come to terms with, I have a freaking movie coming out. Like, I, I just couldn't. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a, okay. I'm work, I'm, we're focused on getting getting better as an athlete. And then like, no, I actually have to promote this movie two different sides of, of the spectrum. Like I'm talking now talking to living arts media outlets about my acting. Did you study up on the history of NBA players as lead actors in movies? Cause it's, yeah. it's enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. That was my childhood was Dr. Dr. J and fish that saved Pittsburgh. My dad told Bernard me to watch King that. Bernard King and Fast Break. My dad told me to watch that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Ray Allen and he got game. Epic. Eddie had a lot of dudes. Epic. Um, yeah, no. One of my favorite Eddie Malik Sealy was really good in Eddie. I liked Eddie. I, I ride for Eddie. What, was that with Whoopi Goldberg? Whoopi Goldberg yeah. comes out of the stands and saves the Knicks. Yeah. It's terrible, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's remember just that one scene when she got on the airplane and was like talking to the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that scene. They used all NBA players in the jerseys, which yeah. is kind of crazy. That she got that like to they, be done. They, like the NBA endorsed the movie. I, I, yeah. was, and of course you got Space Jam. Yeah. Like that was... That was also good seeing Michael. Blue Chips had those guys weren't in the NBA yet, but uh, Shaq and Penny. Were. I thought that was epic. That was like legendary for the for the for the uh, amateur culture. Yeah, like amateur basketball culture. Above the rim didn't use anybody. They, they used Dwayne Martin. I don't know. I think he might have played for like a year in the NBA, but they didn't have like the you know Tupac. Obviously, it was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, that was incredible. So you have high hopes for this movie. It sounds yeah. Like. For sure, I'm. I'm. I'm like now. I'm starting to turning to, um, the exciting part of it. Yeah, you know, this is like we're getting towards the date. The promotion itself is is really really epic. Um, I get to 
kind of experience different avenues within kind of the movie, the film realm, um, you know, and just talk about, you know, things other than basketball all the time. So it's like, it's, it's cool, you know? And then of course my cast, like they're awesome. About to leave here and go do a um, kind of a video capture with them. And it's just exciting. Well, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different feel. Yeah. You know? Like, it's like, cool. You know, no, you play for Boston, but like, what the hell are you doing in the acting world? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, uh, just a lead mo- lead actor in a movie coming out. So, yeah. So you'll do it again. It sounds like. If there, if there is a sequel, then I definitely would. Definitely yeah. would. My strength and conditioning coach, Robin Pound though, would absolutely say no. Absolutely say no though. Were you surprised your shoes became as popular as they did? Like my son who plays basketball, um, like like the Kyrie's were like the shoes to get if you're ten years old in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. They were like a thing. Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> Are the shoes cool, or is it cool to say I have the Kyrie's, or is it you, or is it all a combination of all those things? Because uh, I was asking him, and he's like, "I just like the shoes, and I like how he plays." Yeah, and that was it. Yeah, I was just being authentic, man. Like in terms of also having that connection to the youth of making of just well, it seems like you do have that connection yeah yeah because i i like Plus I, the 2k I, thing helps i think the 2k thing helps as well as uh kind of i would say my personality on onto it as well and, and also where i get my inspiration from it's really comes from that 10 year old place of being in my backyard or being with my dad and being in intimate settings and learning the game of basketball but while still developing other interests outside of that. Um, and then just releasing like really dope colors, like the aesthetics on the shoe are, you know, we started, we start out as like kind of like this blank shoe and then I just come in, chop it up. Yeah. Oh, so you have real input on it. Y- yeah. That, that's one. Yeah. You, you can tell, I mean, it, <laughs> well, I never know what this stuff, I never know, I know if people I, pretend I, they have the input or they actually have the input. No, I no. My meetings are like, I run my, I run my Nike meetings. Like I'm, yeah, I'm no that if it's if it's my name on it, then I'm definitely running the damn meeting. Like, hey, like I love what you guys are doing here, but here we go, let's do it here. And then we just, I have an incredible relationship with Nike, so they give me the freedom to be me. So when you have the Kyrie Irving podcast on the Ringer, you're gonna run that. You're gonna run the meetings when we have the show meetings and stuff. You'd be good at podcasts. Maybe in the works. Ah, that's bullshit. Come on, Tommy. Maybe maybe in the works. Be good. We'd be in the road. We'll send you some mics. You and Jalen Brown. <laughs> Jalen Brown's a smart dude. Really smart. Yeah. Really smart. I he is one of the most interesting people to talk to. I'm really interested to see what happens with his life over the next 15 years. Cause I, yeah. I do think I especially as his profile gets bigger and the Celtics are good, all that stuff. Like I do think he'll use his platform in ways that guys don't normally use them. For you sure. Agree? For sure. And we got to, and you got to tell Tatum he's got to shoot more next year. You got to yeah. do the Isaiah next year. You just got to do the '89 Pistons Isaiah. You just get your 19 a game, but take over when they need you and just get the shots for everybody. I'm, Bill, you're gonna be, be like the dad. Sure. You're gonna be like the dad at the table, like making. You have to divide up the, the food, <laughs> the mac and cheese. <laughs> it's my favorite food, by the way. Uh, no, it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a challenge though, which is what I'm most uh, excited about. Because now you go from being able to kind of make some mistakes and now like 
our expectations from everyone are just going to yeah, be totally are, different. People are picking him in the title, mm-hmm. assuming everybody comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. And Danny doesn't make a crazy trade. Who knows mm-hmm. with him? He loves trading. He's Danny. He'll trade anyone. He doesn't care. Why do you got people all excited, by the way, when you talk, or, or not, I guess excited is not the wrong word, scared? When somebody asked you about what was happening in a year and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen a year from now. Yeah, you I, can't do that in Boston. People are too crazy. It's hot there now. <laughs> they're made, they're crazy people. It's it, you know I wouldn't I couldn't be anything but truthful. So so you really don't know. You're just thinking year to year. No, I I have to. That's where my focus is because I I know that question is going to come up a lot. I, and I and I'm doing my best to really just redirect like that attention towards what we're able to accomplish next year. So you know that that's all I'm focused on. Like it, it would be great to like. Oh, I'm doing this for sure, but I, you just don't know. If you sign with the Knicks, I'm canceling the Kyrie Irving podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. How do you It'll know I'm going to the Ringer? How do you know I'm going to the Ringer? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just saying. If we, if I'll be very upset. Maybe I won't cancel it, but I might, might doctor the tapes a couple of times. You going to delete our podcast? <laughs> I'll delete the archives. <laughs> Kyrie left. Screw this. Uh, good luck with the movie. Good luck with the knee. Thank you. I'm glad everything's well. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad we finally did this. Appreciate it, Bill. All right. Thank you. Hey, if you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, I've got some good news for you. Our friends at Hotel Tonight have an awesome app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Book next week tonight or book next month tonight. All it takes is 10 seconds, three taps and a swipe. No long endless list of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals in the best hotels. Perfect whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute. I've used it for multiple youth soccer tournaments in various parts of Southern California, as you've heard me discuss many times. With Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. Unlike other loyalty programs where you're trapped in a staying at boring chain hotels, start scoring amazing deals instead at incredible hotels. All you have to do is download the Hotel Tonight app right now. All right, I'm here with Sean Fennessy. Next week, Sean and I are doing Forrest Gump for the rewatchables. Hell yeah. You people voted for it. It's not our fault. And guess what? We love doing it. And we defend Forrest Gump. Turns out it's good. Spoiler alert. Forrest Gump's a good movie. Want to talk about Hereditary? Yeah. Which I finally saw this week. I went with my uh, my wife and my 13-year-old daughter. That's really terrifying that you did that. Yeah. Guess what? It, 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 did, it didn't freak the living hell out of me or anything like that. But what about Zoe? She was fine. She covered her eyes for the last 20 minutes. So okay. that helped. Okay. But what was your thinking here? You were like, I want to mess with go. her tonight? No, she wanted to go. She's seen The Conjuring. The Conjuring? This guy, The Hereditary is so different So different from The Conjuring. I, I like The Conjuring, but I mean, come I on. I didn't think it was as horrifying as everybody seemed to think. To me, it was more like The Shining level of scary, where yes. not a lot happened. Yes. But and my thi- kids love The Shining. The con- Movies like The Conjuring, which I really love, don't stick with you the way that movies like The Shining do. The Shining embeds itself in in your DNA and it fucks with you for a long time. And I do think Hereditary is one of those movies that there are images in it that will just stick with you. And so you may have exposed your 13-year-old daughter to awful, awful things. Nah, she's fine. Okay. The I think The Shining's actually scarier and, and nothing in the in this movie is as scary as Scatman Crothers get in the axe. I agree. Which is just terrifying. But I mean, what an amazing testament to Hereditary that we're even making that comparison. The Shining yeah. is one of the darkest most troubling most fascinating movies ever made yeah so i it's interesting like i think that the reaction to this movie which i saw i think in march and i told you when i saw it i was like you're gonna want to see this it's a big deal if you care about horror movies um 
is interesting because there's a, a long hype train that leads up to these movies now where people like me are like, oh, you got to see the scariest movie in years. It's, it's crazy. Not, not since XYZ have you been this scared. And then people's expectations get really high. And they come out of the movie and they're like, okay, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared. That wasn't that scary. And it, it messes with the power of the movie. Like, in 1980, it was a little bit easier to show one trailer for The Shining. And then you didn't see it or really even hear about it yeah. until you got in the theater. And so we're in a weird expectation game now with movies like Hereditary. I did a really, I was really proud of myself. I read nothing. Mm-hmm. I stayed away from everything and knew nothing about what it was about. So... um we're about to spoil the movie. So if you don't want to... Actually, wait, you can keep listening for a couple more minutes. Okay. And then we'll spoil the movie. So there's a twist about 40 minutes in. I actually didn't know that twist was happening. Yes. And um, I was really happy because if you read the reviews, everyone spoils that twist in the reviews. Unfortunately, we did as well in our review. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think it's. I think when something happens in the first... 30 to 35 minutes I think it's it's really hard to write about the movie if you don't write about this event yeah so I think almost every review identifies it and it's also because of the way that the movie was sold because one of the characters in the movie who is like really forward facing in the trailer you think is going to be the center of the movie and then becomes not the center of the movie yeah and you know that's a big deal when you're telling a story like this Tony Collette is really good in it what do you think about the Oscar conversation around her? I, I'm all in. You believe it? I you think, think that's it's a happen? hard. I think that's a hard role. Very. We always talk about how hard it is to find good roles for females. That's a great role, and she has to do a million things in it. She's in a lot of scenes, and I thought she was excellent. She's got a great horror movie face. Yeah, you know, really like a little like how Shelley Duvall had a great horror yeah, movie face, yeah, like yeah. certain people do. Yeah, I, she's I'm, great in it. I know The Shining was for the for the filmmaker for Ari Aster was definitely a reference point. And that's true. They both have that kind of like when her mouth is open and she's like, like appalled by something, it looks terrible. You yeah. Know, she looks like she awful. almost convulses. Yeah. That the, the person who made this Ari Aster. Yeah. First full length film. Yeah. How's that possible? I don't know. How he's, old? I think he's in his early thirties. Um, he went to AFI. I had him on my podcast a few weeks ago. Um, he had made a couple of short films. One of them is called the trouble with the Johnsons. I think. And it's a very, very disturbing movie. It's about 30 minutes. It's on Vimeo if you want to watch it. Uh, and he's just one of those guys who just has been waiting 10 years to make his first movie. And he was he was ready. I like some of the shots in it. Had some great horror movie shots. Really well Some composed. good like camera, you know, the camera turns and you think the people are upside down. They're not. And it's and the music, which we wrote a great piece about on The Ringer, which I started reading. And then I realized it was going to spoil the movie and I stopped. Yes. But it seemed like it was really good. All- but... The music is overpowering. Like if that's, it'll definitely get nominated. But I can't imagine anyone's gonna have better music in a movie that matters more to it. The the all of the sound in general and that clicking sound that the young yeah. daughter does is like the sound design in horror movies is so important. But that clicking sound, which becomes, I think Adam Neiman on the site wrote about how it becomes almost like the the the, the imminent sign of terror. Whenever yeah. you hear a click, you know something awful is gonna happen. And I don't know, it's just really effective. It's really I good. saw it at Arclight and the sound in there is just that really good. So though, if if the director intended for the sound to come to your right, you'll actually hear it on the right. It's funny though, it was such an intense movie to go to, which I liked. Mm-hmm. And it really relied on everyone in the theater kind of shutting the fuck up. Buying in, yeah. And that's just not possible in 2018. You know why? Because people are assholes. Did people talk through your screening? No, but I had the person right behind us who was finished with the soda, but was not finished with the ice. (laughs) 
She's coming back for more ice. Oh, I think there's more ice in there. Oh, I'm going to make loud noises with the ice. And it's like, that's my, I just want complete silence with that movie. <laughs> I don't want the fucking ice guy behind me. Yeah. And then I had the other person, two rows band with the popcorn and getting in. Am I done? No, I'm not going to. I'm going to reach down from under my seat again and get more popcorn. And it's one of those movies where you're just hyper aware of everything that's going on in the theater and, and you can really get thrown up. I almost would have rather seen this in my house. There, that's an interesting way to put it because the movie, especially the first 90 minutes of the movie, is all about atmosphere and dread. It's not about scary. Which is like know? The Shining. Yeah, there's no like jump scares. There's nothing that shocks you for the most part with the exception of that one scene that you're talking about. It's mostly just this impending doom. Something awful is going to happen. We're going to learn what's at the core of what's terrorizing this family. And so you don't want to hear anybody else talking. Like You want to absorb as much of it because every little sound matters. So yeah. I know what you mean. Um, I saw it at a midnight screening at a film festival, and that was awesome because those people yeah. are really respectful and they're, yeah. they're in it there with you. Um, it's very similar, though, to A Quiet Place. You know, A Quiet Place, also the huge horror hit of the year. If people talk in the theater while that movie is happening, it fucks up the movie. Yeah. You know, the quietness is so important. So in Hereditary, it's effective. The uh, cinema score. Yeah. It's been a big thing about how audiences don't like this movie as much as critics. It got a D minus. Which it's is up to a D plus now. Is it a D plus now? So So people really hated the ending, which we're not gonna spoil yet. We're gonna spoil at the very end of this. I have some problems with cinema score. I think anything that attempts to like narrativize with metrics whether people like or don't like a movie is pretty much flawed. You yeah, know, you know my stance on Rotten Tomatoes. Even Metacritic, which I think is a little bit more sophisticated with how they measure reviews, doesn't do a perfect job. CinemaScore is like a survey company, and they're grading people coming out of a movie, and it's just a question of what movie you thought you were getting versus what you ultimately got. Hereditary has actually been very, very, very successful at the box office. It's going to yeah. make $20 million in less than 10 days. This is a small movie that didn't cost a lot of money to make. It's funny. It feels like Buzz is back for movies where, oh, you got to see that. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a word of mouth Get Out movie. definitely helped. Get Out had a good ad campaign too, but Get Out definitely became a, you got to see that. I yeah. think uh, Lady Bird was a little like that as mm -hmm, well. For sure. But we've seen, but the Buzz is back. We're in that, we're, but. Buzz went away for a while now. It's because you can never tell. You can never decipher the good buzz from the manufactured buzz. Yeah, I think it's now I think we're better at it. It's because going to the movie theater is still like a big commitment. So you want good word of mouth on your movie. Um, it's yeah. weird. It's weird for a movie like this to have a D cinema score, but have great word of mouth. But I think it does. It was also interesting because I had multiple people leave the movie. Oh, yeah. That's not surprising. But that's common in horror movies. I mean, that's like the story of The Exorcist. Is the Forty minutes in, out. some something the when the thing happened, mm -hmm. and then the next morning, and some more stuff happened, and these two people just got up and left, and the lady like stomped out with her purse. She Do you was think like, she was? I don't know what she thought. What movie she thought she was going to? Yeah. That was it. We never saw them again. And then I uh, had another person. I'd like three more people leave. And then at the tail end, when we were walking out, one of the people left was just sitting, waiting for her friends, like terrified, like, sorry, I just couldn't take it. Wow. So that was interesting. That doesn't happen very often. Do you like that feeling when a movie, because this movie's kind of punishing. Like, yeah. do you like to be punished? It's an uncomfortable movie. Yeah. I actually, I was rooting for it to end. Yeah. Usually with movies, unless you have to go somewhere, you're like, I'm really enjoying this. I hope it doesn't end. This one, I was like, please, let's let's get to the finish line. This is tough. It's just, it's all depends it's on what the, what the goal is. Like, this isn't speed, you know, or, no. where you're just like, what a thrill ride. I mean, it's it's meant to feel awful, and I think it's 
a pretty serious movie. You know, the themes are like the things that our parents give us that are terrible. Yeah. And that's not the most comfortable stuff. The music, I think, also is not a great hang after about an hour and a half. Yeah, it's, it's just strangulating. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now it's time to spoil it. So the ending. Mm-hmm. So please leave if you don't want the movie spoiled. This will be it. Then we're done with the podcast. Uh, the ending mm-hmm. gets super weird. Mm-hmm. Payment of the fucking devil and... Uh, there's people in the in the treehouse, which we should have known was satanic because the lights were so red. It was pretty obvious. The way it's that's shot where going. the whole movie, yeah. you know, it's, it looks like Satan's home, like a, yeah. like a la- devil's lair. Um, it's the only time in the movie really where we get like horror movie payoff. Yeah. You know, we, we do get the seance and the do levitation. Do we need naked people? I think that that's like something you believe in a satanic, like satanic cults do. You know, that they're, for whatever reason, they're just not wearing clothes, especially all those old people. What do you think of uh, Ann Dowd? As the evil, uh, I don't know, the extension of her mother's satanic interest. (coughs) I didn't trust her. Mm -hmm. You know right away? No. I I felt it when she she jumped on the, stopped the car when the car was about to leave. That was, I thought, a giveaway. But I still wasn't 100% sure. She was good. And what about- She'll get nominated. What about the big moment- when the daughter dies. That one I did not see coming. Did you think that that worked? Because um, that's been a point of contention among some people. I didn't understand. No, I thought that was the weakest part of the movie, actually. Interesting. Because the the boy killed his sister and was stoned and then left the headless body in his car all night. And just went to bed, and then they were like, hey, how's your chicken? Like, two scenes later. Yeah. Hey, why aren't you talking? It was, it just probably should be in jail, first of all. Yep. And then second of all, uh, it was just weird that the family didn't resent him a little bit more for the whole thing. Did you, th- I, I, I took that to be like a commentary on how families like don't know how to communicate with each other when terrible things have happened. Except he should have been in jail. <laughs> he should have gone to jail for what happened. Well, could you have just said it was an accident, though? I mean, I don't, you know, who's pressing charges there, Mom? I think the police are like, uh, you you swerved to avoid a carcass, you decapitated your sister, you left her head on the side of the road, <laughs> drove home, and left her headless body in the car overnight. Uh-huh. We're gonna bring you in. Maybe six. That's what years I would have done if I was the sergeant there. Did you think that kid was good, Alex Wolf? So he's the kid from uh, the Wahlberg, the Boston bombing movie. Yes. He was good in that movie. Yes. He played one of the terrorists. I yeah. thought, I like that kid. I think he's a good actor. He's a very good actor. Yeah. And My biggest is issue is too. what I texted you. Which is? I thought Gabriel Byrne was terrible. I have never been a fan of his. I've always thought he was what? overrated. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. What? Not a Gabriel Byrne fan. Miller's Crossing? No. no. Usual I, suspects? I think he's the same guy in every movie. I don't think he's a good actor. Oh my He's God. He's a one note actor. He's got the same look on his face at all times. The Irish I wanted, part of Bill Simmons, your Irish heritage. That's fine. Is like, it doesn't matter. I'm only 20. Up right I'm only now. 25%. Uh, I just think that was a great part. And the dad, I just had no feel for the dad at all. And I, I would have loved to point. see a real actor. He was supposed to be recessed, he was supposed to be absent. He wasn't supposed to really know how to communicate or how to bridge the gap between mother and son. And he was like, he was just this limp, neutered, weak middle-aged man i don't know i thought it was i thought it was good i thought he was good i, I thought, thought was he effective. was gabriel Byrne. okay 
think he would have given the same performance no matter what. Okay. No matter what you told him you wanted him to do for that movie. Do you think the Give movie... Give me a real actor for that movie. A criticism I've heard of the movie is it's either a half an hour too long or an hour too short. I thought it was too long. Too long. I would have gone like an hour 45. Yeah. When when I talked to, to Ari, he said that the first cut was three hours. Oh, And then Jesus. I talked to somebody else who worked on the movie and they said that the three hour cut worked better. But you just can't release a three-hour horror movie that feels that bad into theaters. No, but they could do a cool Blu-ray. Yeah. Extended version. I mean, I think you would have had several more fucked up scenes of like a young child cutting a dead bird's head off. I mean, there's so many images in the movie that are so awful and so uncomfortable. I think they could have gone further with the the uh, girl who dies. Just do more with that character? <laughs> I wasn't totally sold on how fucked up she was. They had a couple scenes, but... I needed more. Like she was clearly the future devil or yes. whatever their position her as. Yes. I needed a couple more things with her. Okay. I could use a couple of Damien Omen type moments. It does have that great like psycho effect though, where you think you're getting one movie and then you get the other. Yeah. You know, I I, I like to have the rug pulled out from under me. The party's good. They're cutting the knives with the cutting the nuts with the knife. And you're like, oh, this is gonna go bad. That's brutal. Yeah. Uh, also, don't bring your 13 year old daughter to a high school. Drinking party, maybe. Big mistake. Yeah. Big mistake. Don't sign off on that one, mom. Yeah. I like I liked it. I, there's like a new category of horror movie that I don't know. I don't know if you're as into these, but like The Witch and the Babadook and the oh, I thought what they're calling elevated horror. You know? I thought Babadook was incredible. Yeah. I love Babadook. There and there all these movies are always Didn't about like families, the witch as much. You know, they're always about like children betraying their parents and children parents not trusting their children and I don't know. They're, they're, it's an interesting moment for horror movies right now because, like, Get Out and Quiet Place have been these super popcorn successes. Get Out was a thriller. I, I don't consider that a horror movie. Interesting. I like the. I like the. Uh, we've talked about this before, but the there's something wrong with the house always works for me. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with my child that always works. They're just gonna keep making versions of those same two movies, and they're gonna keep working. So there's there's a few uh, horror movies coming out for the rest of the year. You want to talk about those real quick? Is one of them called "There's Something Wrong with the House"? <laughs> they're kind of all called that. Um, one of them is called "The Nun" or "There's Something Wrong with the Nun," mm. um, which is a sequel to the Conjuring Conjuring Two. Yeah, um, which looks fine. There's a trailer for this for it this week. Uh, this summer is Unfriended Dark Web. Yeah, you saw that one. I loved Unfriended. I'm in on I'm in on the sequel. Unfriended you told me that kid, my kids can't see this. Is fucked up. It's fucked up. So, Not in the way Hereditary is, where it's like it'll stick with you. It's more like if you spend your life on the internet the way that you and I do, it will make you feel bad about what happens on the internet. My daughter said last night that Unfriended is still the the scariest movie she's ever seen. Okay, that made me feel like a bad person. Do you know what happens on the dark web? No. Okay, well Don't you'll find out me. July twentieth. Is that A24 or one of the other? No, ones? it's Blumhouse. Our friends at Blumhouse. Oh, I'm excited for yeah. Unfriended. And then uh, Halloween. This is the golden age of horror movies. Or the new golden age. It's a it's a good time. It's a fun time. Last four four years or so have been great. And by the way, like there was a great Netflix piece that Vulture wrote a few days ago. Yeah. Inside great the in that factory. there's a lot of information. Yeah. I, I hesitate to call it like a great piece, like it's a must the, read. It's the first time really we've gotten to look at that company that deeply. And it's clear that they have basically Daryl Morey, Billy Beaned it with the metrics and they can tell what works. And one of the things that they know works is horror movies. And now I know they're catering toward my habits when they go, but there's a, there's always horror movies on there. And I feel like I've either seen Seen the ones I've seen all the ones I've wanted to see, and I've decided that I didn't want to see the other ones. But yes. there's so many choices. Yeah, 
and it never ends. I watched a horror movie that wasn't as effective this week. Uh, it was the sequel to The Strangers. You act like I didn't see it. Okay. What did you think? It's, it was not great. It was awful. Yeah. What happened there? They threw away the first half hour. Nothing happened. Yeah, that's so strange. And then it? it was like 50 minutes of a movie. They killed off the star right away. What? Oh, um, that was another spoiler. Whatever. Well, strange. They didn't. We didn't need another strangers. I just feel. I just feel bad for Christina Hendricks. What happened? Why is Christina Hendricks not more famous, doing better things? She's a good actress. She's I don't a good know. actress. It's weird. why Elizabeth Moss and why not her? It's a good question. I don't know. That's another podcast. Yeah. The. Uh, When they do those movies, they do these sequels. Like they did this with The Purge too. Mm -hmm. You almost know they're going to be bad, but you kind of want to get it anyway. Kind of want to see it, but it's the expectations are so low. That's why I'm surprised that Unfriended is good. It's it, uh, good is an interesting word. It's definitely like interesting and watchable. Um, I'm, but I'll I'll watch like every Purge movie because that premise is so sturdy. Like there's a new Purge movie this summer um, that is the first Purge. It's like a, it's like a prequel, and it'll probably be fun. Yeah. You know, I. I the Strangers, though, The Strangers was such a perfect horror movie that felt like it came out of nowhere and, and the attempt to like leverage What was the it. other one with Naomi Watts? That was scarier. Uh, Happy People or... Ha oh, the Funny Australian Games? One. Funny Games. Yeah, the remake of the Michael Haneke film, yeah. That uh, one's pretty scarring. That's a fucked up movie. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of in the hereditary zone. I think Home Invasion seems like the most reliably decent movie movie premise for horror movies other mm -hmm. than something's wrong with the house yeah i like those i'm because people can identify with that more than anything right like oh we're at the cape we're having a great time uh-oh somebody's at the door I'm that's like everybody's fear i'm always going to be more interested in the supernatural i'm always more and especially like the demonic shining exorcist hereditary those are the movies that i most respond to because they're also like they're very religious in a way. They're very connected to like spirituality. If you're a Catholic weirdo like me, you know, you grew up all messed up on that stuff. So I don't know. That's my favorite. So you're genre. afraid of Satan is basically what we're learning. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> you get that beaten into you when you're a kid. Yeah. I, I'm working on a list of, I feel like I've seen every relevant horror movie ever. And at some point I'm just going to have to rank them. You're going to tease that right here, huh? Uh, at some point in my life okay. before, before, um, I get beheaded when I lean out the window when I'm having a nut allergy attack. It's a great place to go out here. Or, or, home, or the home invasion finally happens or whatever. Um, yeah, horror movies, they're back. I would recommend Hereditary. I would also really be careful about where you see it would be my final recommendation. Yeah, don't Although see now it. at this point, nobody's listening who didn't listen to it. We told people to go away who hadn't seen it yet. But. If you're going to see it again, make sure you see it on an empty stomach. Yeah. Okay. Sean Fantasy, thank you. Thanks, Bill. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check out ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Gillette. They offer a variety of shaving products for every guy, regardless of his personal style, skin needs, or budget. Whether you want three blades or five, the Gillette 3 and Gillette 5 razors have you covered all under $10. High performance, low price. Get Gillette performance delivered to your door. Find Gillette 5 at GilletteOnDemand.com. Subscribe today. On Monday, we're going to do a big, fun mock draft thing. So be ready for that. Until then.